Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. In this episode, I speak with Cody McBroom, Cody.BoomBoom, if you want to follow him on Instagram. I strongly recommend it. He's an amazing coach, incredible friend, very smart, intelligent guy, and we have a talk about a lot of different things, but the majority of it is about strength training, different types of strength training, program design. If you are a personal trainer or are thinking about becoming a personal trainer, I think you're going to like this episode a lot. And even if you're not a personal trainer, even if you just want to learn more about strength training and working out, listen to this episode. I think you're going to like it. What's up, bro? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm really good. I'm excited to be here. All right, man. So I, have you listened to my podcast before? It's okay if you haven't. I, I'm going to apologize, but no, I have not. No need to apologize. You're a busy dude. Um, so the vast majority, I'd say like 98% of my podcasts are with inner circle members. So mm-hmm. inner circle members, they come on and we talk and maybe they're struggling with something and we figure out a way to help them with it. Uh, or maybe they've had amazing success and I want to hear more about it and how they were able to do it. But cool. that's what the vast majority of my podcast is. I usually don't talk with other fitness professionals. Um, but I remember the podcast I did with you on your podcast, which I'll put like a, a link in the show notes to that if people want to want to listen to that. And that was one of my all time favorite podcasts that I've ever done. And ever since then, been a huge fan of you and your work. And uh, so I wanted to hop on the phone with you, chat, see what comes out and see what uh, what we can talk about. But before we dive in, do you just want to tell people who you are, where you're from, what you do? Just give us the background on you. Yeah. Um, and man, that means a lot seriously come from you, especially because I think I, I really enjoyed that podcast as well. And then we continued talking afterwards and I kept feeling like there was more and more things in common and that I just liked about you as we got to know each other. So it's really cool to hear that, man. Um, but my name is Cody McBroom. I own a company called Tailored Coaching Method. Uh, my nickname is Cody Boom Boom, which is why the podcast is the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Um, and, uh, long story short, I was the chubby kid growing up and, uh, after high school, I got sick of it and I finally went into the gym one day and the rest is history. I, I changed my degree, started studying, then I got an internship, met some cool people in the industry, interned and kind of followed along, uh, working for free for a while. And I've just literally just built myself as a personal trainer for six plus years. And the whole time I was just blogging because at the time, like blogging was, still pretty cool. And I still blog today because I love writing, but do you still um, blog today? I do. Yeah. I still blog. It's one thing I won't give up, man. I just love it. It's what's it's your so website. Uh, tailoredcoachingmethod.com is the website now. And how often are you blogging? <sighs> Probably once a month. But the cool thing is, is so we have a chief science officer on our team now who is kind of like the, he kind of like regulates education for all the coaches and he writes a blog once a month. I have a coach that really likes writing. So she writes one once a month. So between us all, we usually get one out almost every week, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, which I, I just I, – and for me, it's it's one of those things where I can put some good music in, have my coffee, and ignore notifications for three hours and just write about something I love. You know, So it's, it's just a passion project. But it's cool because that's how it actually all started for me. I remember interning uh, at a place called Bigger Ground, and I told the guy – he asked me what my aspirations were. And I told him I was like, I'm going to make money off my blog. I started a blog, and I was in college, right? And and he was like, well, how are you going to make money? I was like, <laughs> I don't know, but I know Jay Ferugia and Nate Green do it. And like, he was like, well, okay. So train people in person <laughs> for like five years and then and then you can probably make some money on your website. And uh, and then I trained people for like six and a half years at that gym and then started the online business after that. And uh, ever since then, I it's just kind of been catapulting and we're just doing more and more stuff. Dude, I love that. What And I, I love that because it's – literally the exact same as thing as what I did, like yeah. in terms of blogging, like Instagram didn't exist there. There was like, you could do YouTube, but for everyone that I wanted to emulate and that I looked up to in the industry, blogging, it was just yeah. writing articles. That was it. And it was funny. You just glazed over it. So you were like, yeah, you know, just turn on, do not disturb and put music in and sit down for three hours and write an article. And, uh, most people now, especially like coaches and people who want to make content, if you told them it was going to take them three hours to make a piece of content, they'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> now, I also, I mean, to be fair, if you're going to write a long article, three hours is on the low end. Like yeah. three hours is like the short end. Between, not, number one, you have to think of the article. Then you have to 
write the article. Then you have to edit the article. Then you actually have to publish the article and then sharing the article. There's a lot that goes into all of that. And the actual writing process, I mean, if you, there were articles that I wrote that took me like 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 hours, depending on how long and how in-depth it was and how in, into the science I was going. So, I mean, I love that, that you still do that. And I think if I was going to give any coach one piece of advice, I would say, start writing articles like that yeah. would be my number one piece of advice to coaches yeah and you didn't even think about like or, or mention curating right so if you're going to write on a topic and then you got to look up who else has written on the talk topic and what studies have been done on the topic now you're like half the time spent just researching things to write about yep. you know um, but it's a good way to ingrain things in your mind like if somebody wants to really learn a topic like plan on writing an article about it because you're gonna have to research the hell out of it mm -hmm. to get to that point but it's funny that you mentioned that at the beginning because I get people that ask me all the time, like, especially now with everything going on, I want to switch to online. Like, how do I, how do I build a business <laughs> and do stuff? And I'm like, well, you know what I did is I wrote a blog every week for six and a half years while training people. <laughs> and then I started an online business and they're just like, excuse me. But at the end of the day, like if you ask a lot of people and I can ask you and you'll say the same thing, it's like, yeah, that's basically what I did. I worked for free and wrote and trained people. And then I trained people for like dirt cheap for a long time writing more articles and, and stuff like that. And it accumulates over time. But if you love what you do, it's, it's just part of the journey, man. It's not a, not that big of a deal, honestly. Yeah, that's, it's the similarities are insane. And this is, this is one of the reasons why people always ask me, number one, especially right now, I want to get an online coaching. Um, but one of the most common questions I get is, do you feel that the fitness industry is overly saturated with coaches? And I always laugh at this. I was just talking about this earlier today with my buddy Mike. I always laugh at this because it's not even close to overly saturated. And the reason is there are a lot of people who call themselves coaches, but there aren't a lot of great coaches working really hard to help as many people as they can for free. That's where you have to look for the saturation level. And in that market, it's a very small number of people. And the most successful people in that arena all have a very similar story in regard yeah. to how they started. Well, and it's funny because like even you, you did an internship um, right at the very beginning, right? And uh, I'm pretty sure the person you did an internship was really good friends with the person I did one with. Was it Eric Cressy that you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I remember Eric Cressy coming to our gym and doing like a, a weekend shoulder uh, workshop for us and stuff. And like, cause Luca, the guy I interned for, was really good friends with him. Um, but again, like both of us went into that with that same exact mindset, you know. And and it's it's funny because I was I actually was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. They asked me for some advice, and they were like, "What do you say to people um, who want to get you on their podcast and you're really busy, but?" they don't have a big following and you don't know what, and I literally responded. I was like, I say yes to every single person ever. And he's like, what? And I was like, <laughs> I don't look at their following. I just say yes, because it's just about giving man. And, and worst case scenario, you get practice speaking yes. your message. Right. And then two people will hear it. Great. If two people hear it and they change, like you win, you know? So, um, it just goes back to the idea of really being a go-giver, you know? I love that. I, I absolutely love that. It's funny because people DM me like, Oh my God, like, would you, I know like you probably won't even see this or I know you'll probably say no, but will you come on my podcast? And it's like every probably once a month I'll put on my, my story. Like I will go on anyone's podcast. I don't care if it's your first episode or your hundredth episode. It's, and every single time I, I've never regretted going on someone's podcast yeah. ever. And it almost blows my mind that someone would be like, no, no, no I'm not going to go on your podcast because you don't get enough downloads. Like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. What it what it, what world are you living in that you think that's it, it just it it blows my mind. So tell me more like what do you do now? Like what's your life look like as a coach? Who do you coach? Who are most of your clients? What are some of their struggles? Like tell me more about that. Yeah. So um, one of my goals for the last like year has kind of been actually to lower how many clients I was working with uh, because I started building a team. So there's six other coaches underneath me. And then wow. I have my media guy who helps me with all the content. And then we have the chief science officer and then my assistant. And because the team keeps growing, my, my focus keeps getting more and more on like leadership and like education and how do I empower them to do more and how do I give them more opportunities to grow? 
Um, but I still do work with a good amount of people because I just, I'm a coach. Like there's yep. no way I can get away from it. Um, so now my main role is, is creating programs for our kind of like your inner circle. We have a, a, we call it the tailored trainer and it's basically like an online training membership site, creating programs for there every month. I coach uh, a good hand, number of people. Um, some really fun ones that I still, I do like full-blown training, nutrition, custom, everything. Um, a couple of them are in the WWE and they're like the most fun people to work with ever. Cause they're just, they're like more obsessed with training than I am. And it's, it's awesome. So yeah, um, you told me that when we spoke on the phone recently, that's amazing. Yeah. So working with some of them is cool. And then a lot of people that are just, just cool people, you know, just cool general population. And, and it's a pretty wide variety of people. I actually think it's funny cause a lot of people are like, ask me for advice. How should I find my niche? And I'm like, I don't have a single niche. I'm the worst person to ask. We, we literally work with everybody, young, old, male, female, athlete, gen pop teacher, never worked out before, works out all the time. Like anybody, because one, we have a a variety of coaches, but two, like, I mean, we can help anybody. We love what we do. I don't think you'd really, I want to say John Brody talks about being a generalist in his new book. Mm. And, and I like that idea a lot right there. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't finished yet, but I've heard really good things about it. And, uh, and he talks about that in there. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's, it's creating content. It's, it's leading the team, um, and like kind of running the organic content marketing and all that kind of stuff, doing the podcast, uh, which we air quite a bit of episodes. We do four episodes a week. So we're always on there. Wow. Um, I like to talk, man. I can just for a week. Yeah. So we do like a, a mindset episode on Mondays. Uh, we do some kind of topic on Tuesdays, whether it's, uh, program design or it's nutrition or it's supplement, like something just specific Thursday's always an interview. And then Friday's a Q and a, um, man, you're a beast. I didn't know if I would be able to keep it up, but we were like, fuck, we're going to go to four episodes and see what happens. And I can keep talking, man. It's just, it's, so it's been fun. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> screw it. Um, but yeah, that's it, man. I, I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Um, I, I kind of, I mean, this year has been weird cause it's, it's, I'm trying to I've had advice from people like you have to kind of shift into being like the CEO and not just a coach, but I, I like, I'm a coach. So it's like weird to be like a boss to people and I don't like, yeah. so, so like really trying to kind of balance the two, figure that out. And remember that I have a family at home wanting to hang out. So it's like trying to juggle it all really, man, I don't know how you do it. You're a beast. You're doing everything. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> I try. I sort of want to go in on the, the generalist topic like do you think that applies to to your your clients the people you work with like they should be more specialists or generalists in fitness like what would you think most people should be how would you categorize that like as far as in the client shoes versus the coach correct yep you know i think that it it, i mean the answer is always depends but i think that (laughs) always it's so hard not to say that um but i think with a lot of people Sometimes I do like getting more specific because some people come on board and, and honestly, even this is like one of the WWE guys, he's like, I I like, I have some shoulder issues, so I need to feel better, but I also really need to be lean because I'm on TV and I love powerlifting. So I want to be strong (laughs) as hell. And I'm like, dude, holy shit. Like, (laughs) uh, so sometimes I think with people it's for us, we talk a lot about like lifestyle periodization, right? So for a lot of people, I'm like, Hey, we can generally be good at all these things. Like you can run like a faster mile and lose some weight and get stronger and maybe build some muscle too. But we might have to kind of periodize these things one after mm-hmm. another, um, across your year. And, and I always tell people like, even if you're not with me for a year, I'm going to show you what that looks like. So you can at least leave on the right foot to do that without me. Um, hopefully by the time we, we get to the, to the agreement, they're liking what we're doing and I can continue helping them. But if not, they at least have that periodization plan mapped out. Um, whereas some people you can, so like the, again, the WWE guy, I actually do use like more of a concurrent method. Um, so I kind of, it's like a hybrid conjugate. So it's, it's definitely a conjugate setup, but instead of too much dynamic work, we're doing a little more hypertrophy work. And, uh, and then I add some like varied conditioning on the off days. So there's like one day that's more anaerobic, high intensity conditioning. One day is like more sustainable, um, low intensity. Um, so we're kind of working all the energy systems. We're kind of working all the rep ranges. We're doing some power. We're doing some strength. We're doing some hypertrophy. And for some people that's kind of like just throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks, but it's all sticking. Like it's all working really well. So I think a lot of people assume you can't focus on more than one thing at once, but I actually disagree. And I think even though conjugate didn't work on six different things at once, it was mainly just, you know, four powerlifting. 
I think it's a good example of how you can kind of blend things together. Same with DUP, daily undulated periodization. It kind of shows you you can do that. Um, so, so it really depends on the client and, and their timeline. If I had somebody that's like fat loss, this is my deadline. I want to do a photo shoot. Then I'm like, okay, we're not worrying about your endurance or your strength or anything. Right. So, um, it's very specific to the client, I think. Man, I can feel myself getting so hyped up right now because this is like sort of what we spoke about, like programming and periodization on yours. And I, I never talk about this with anybody. It's just it's not a conversation that many people have, especially not like higher level concurrent training. DUP, like they don't talk about it. I'm actually I'm excited to go into it because I know a lot of my audience, they don't hear about this very much. They don't hear about periodization, program design, conjugate training, none of that. And I sort of want to dive into it because you just hit on a topic that is so under discussed and so massively misunderstood, which is you can improve multiple things at the same time. Now, I think an important distinction to make is we've all had the client who's like, yeah, you know, I, I really want to, I want to run a marathon and I also want to uh, win my powerlifting competition and I also want to step on stage in 12 weeks. And it's like, okay, we've got to we've got to be more realistic with what's possible and doable. But I think some coaches go too far to the end of saying you can only focus on one thing at a time, nothing else. And I'm always like, well, hold on. You can want to lose fat and get stronger at the same time. And I would actually argue if you're not getting stronger while you're losing fat, you're doing something wrong. What do, what do you think? It's funny. I actually posted screenshots of two different clients' updates today, both losing weight, and they mentioned PRs in the update. So I 100% agree. And I think that um, sometimes you have to just open up the the um, timeline, right? So you, you mentioned 12 weeks. So if somebody comes to me with all that stuff in 12 weeks, I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> but give me eight months. Now we can talk about like how do we build this program out? Because I think I think a lot of people lean on that classic block periodization where it's like, all right, this is – our volume block and then this is our intensity block and it works but it works really well for power lifters olympic lifters stuff like that and i think it's just kind of written in stone so people just apply it to everybody yeah. i find um even with people that are pretty serious about like physique sport like maybe they're not competing but they want to look like a bodybuilder i think it works for them as well but especially gen pop i think a concurrent method works so much better like vary right. your intensities throughout the week um and, and if we're looking at general health you probably should do some like multiple energy systems. Like you should be working multiple things um, because I always tell people too, like they do strength training and they're doing high intensity cardio all the time. Right. And uh, I'm like, how long do you think you're squatting for when you're squatting with that heavy bar on your back? And they're like, oh, 15 to 30 seconds. And how long do you rest? Two to three minutes. Isn't that a high intensity interval? Is your heart rate going through the roof after that squat? Like, yes, you're not doing sprints, but five rep squat, my heart's pounding. Right. Oh yeah. It sucks. So, it's a very similar energy system. So to me, I'm like, you know what? If I have a choice, I'm going to probably lean more on like sustainable low intensity because it's better for your immune system. It's healthier. It's easier on your recovery and your nervous system. And it's different than what you're doing when you're lifting all the time. Um, and a lot of people don't do that because one, for some people, low intensity cardio can be boring. Um, and for those, like even for uh, Chad Gable, the, the wrestler, uh, he loves to go. Like it's, it's So with him, I got to be creative. So it might be, all right, you're going to do the rower for one minute. You're going to uh, do a, like push-ups with a slow tempo for 30 seconds. Like it's like very strategic and it's multiple things, but I'm like, I don't want your heart rate to go crazy. You're just sustaining this effort for 20 minutes straight. And it's just like continuously you put them in moving. Like a, like a density circuit, like in this. Exactly. But you don't make, you don't have to try and beat your time. Just stay active for this whole 20 minute period. Exactly. And that's actually, it's funny you said density because I always use the word, uh, the term EDT versus um amrap like i know crossfit made amrap popular yeah. <laughs> people always see edt and they go is that kind of like an amrap and i'm like it is but when i use the word edt i find that people control their pace and their form so much better because amrap implies like go as, as possible like uh, exactly. yeah literally as much as you possibly can so talk about edt like what is edt um, I, I don't want to butcher this, but I'm pretty sure it stands for escalated density training. Yep. Um, that's okay, cool. I was gonna say, that's what I was taught years ago. Um, and it's, it's essentially, I mean, you can do this in so many ways. I remember doing uh Sadiv sets. I don't know if you remember those and they're, it's a type of PDT <laughs> 12 no. minutes long, 12 minutes long. You take a, a, like a five to six rep max and you do it for three okay. reps and you just do as many rounds as you can in 12 minutes. And geez, obviously 
you have to control your pace because you're doing three reps, right? But that's a form of EDT. Um, another way to go about it is even for like finishers at the end of a workout, uh, on an upper body day, you can go, all right, we're going to do some lateral raises, some dumbbell curls, some tricep extensions, um, and maybe like a, a setup or, or even like a farmer's carry something, 10 minutes on the clock, sustain your pace, keep form tight. So if, if for me, if, if your rep count is eight on everything, you shouldn't be failing on eight reps. If you're right, failing, right. you're going too fast, right? Or you're lifting too heavy for that density set. Um, but essentially, it's just a block of time. And it actually works really well for people who are busy because I can go, all right, you know, we have uh, your first EDT is like hamstring curls, side plank, and face pulls. And it's like That's four brutal. minutes. It it's is. Brutal. And, it's, and it's quick and it's something to get you ready to go. And then we have another EDT that might be like heavy squats and dumbbell bench press. And it's just two sets but it's longer period of time and you're just kind of steadily going through it. And then you have some accessory work on another EDT, but you can get in and out in 30 minutes and get a great workout. So, um, I, I love using them, man. I, I use them most for, um, I don't know. I don't always like the term finisher. Cause I think again, people can take that too far, but, um, I like putting it at the tail end of a workout for like metabolic work or like just pump work at the end of a strength day and stuff like that. I, I think supersets and density training are like my two favorite things that, I, that I'll use. Like as there are many, many, many options, but those are two of my favorites. Density training, like you said, for busy people, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. For busy people, it's amazing. 20 minutes on the clock, 30 minutes on the clock, seven minutes on the clock, two exercises back and forth, three exercises, four, whatever it is. You don't need that many, but it takes something and it, it's people are always shocked by how difficult it is. Usually in the first one or two rounds, they're like, really, this is it? Round three, round four, round five, all of a sudden they're like, oh my God. And one of the reasons I love it is because when you put time on the clock, hey, I'm gonna do this for 10 minutes straight, nonstop, sustained pace, they're not looking at their phone, they're not texting, they're not going on Instagram. This is a block of time in which you are fully present in your training, which I think, right, I know for me, I've struggled with this a lot, especially as I've grown in my business and everything, I'm always looking at my phone. I need to find ways to make sure I cannot look at my phone and having like a density training block of 10 minutes straight, even just 10 minutes fully present, working, sustained pace, it's a really great mental and emotional break from anything else going on. You're solely focused on what you have in front of you and you can really give every ounce of effort to your technique, to your intensity, to it's, I love it. It's one of my all time favorite ways to, to have trained for myself and for my clients. I, I agree, man. I think that, uh, it, it's funny cause my brother-in-law started lifting with me not long ago and my training got so much better and it was solely because I didn't, like I didn't need my phone. Like I'm, I'm with him. I'm spotting him. He's spotting yes. me. I'm, I'm coaching him. And it was like, holy shit, that's, that made a huge difference. But I, I also think with, uh, density sets, they're just fun. And I think this is something I talk about a lot in my content is like, all right, here's all this cool science programming stuff, but are you having fun? Like people are like, well, you know, the literature doesn't support drop sets very much. I'm like, yeah, but they're fucking fun. Like I get such a yep. big pump and I'm going to do it. Like, and if <laughs> I have fun, I'm excited to go train. And, and I think yep. people forget about that. So to me, I always talk about being evidence-based as a way that like we understand the science and literature, but we have a lot of experience working with real people. And it allows us yes. to take some of the bro science and some of the, the like dungeon garage gym stuff that we've done over the years into effect that like I remember doing th things that now I'm like there's really no science to prove that that actually works. <laughs> but – it, it always amps me up and I trained hard with it. So that's good enough for me, you know, and people love it. And then I think that's, that's a big thing that's missing in today's like evidence-based world, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm about to say something so corny. I'm ashamed of it, but I actually sort of like it too. Um, I agree. I'm always hesitant to use the term finisher because of what people associate it with like, Oh, finisher, like almost like, like tech in like, TKO, like finisher, you're gonna die during this. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, exactly. Like, and and then a lot of people then think that every workout must end with this, or it's a waste. It's like it's just not true. But I'm gonna sort of take the. I I do like finishers done properly and, and scientifically and deliberately. But I'm maybe like I'm thinking I'm thinking in the inner circle because I like having fun with the terms. Maybe instead of calling it a finisher, calling them funishers, like making them just they have to be fun. Right. Yeah. It's like they have to be fun because this is the most 
I'm I'm so ridiculous. Like I always say, this is the most overlooked with every single thing. But I think fun is legitimately the most overlooked component of science-based training. Like, and we could talk about nutrition too. But going back to conjugate training versus um, versus more of like block periodization, conjugate's just more fun. Like. Yeah. You get to do more. There's more variation. It's more fun. You get to target more goals. You get to, it's more enjoyable. I think, generally speaking, if you've worked with any me any meaningful number of clients, you'll know. Generally speaking, people like variation. They like to try new things. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, that might work for a competitive lifter who's just in it for the grind because it's worth it to you know get to the end goal. But the vast majority of us are like. If I'm not having fun in my workout, then I'm not going to do it. So you better make this fun. I think as a coach, it's your responsibility and part of your job, not just to make a great program on paper, but to make a great program that they're really going to love doing. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Funishers because (laughs) I I always have the workout like mapped out for me and my brother-in-law and uh, like we'll get done and I'm like, all right, come over. We're going to grab the kettlebells, grab the rope. And he's like, whoa, it's not on the program. And I'm like, I know, but. (laughs) We're just going to do something cool, man. Like, come here. And we'll, like, tie the rope and, like, pull the sled, do whatever we can. Um, but I 100% agree, man. I I've, uh, I went on kind of like a uh, like a gaining journey recently and was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to spend some dedicated time just trying to just get big. Like, just trying to build muscle. Yeah. And, uh, and How much it was, do you weigh? Uh, I weighed 178 this morning. So I've actually okay. gained, like, nine pounds in the last, like, six months, which is nice. quite a bit. Uh, for staying like decently lean. I'm not as lean as I was, but um, I'm happy with the progress. But it's funny because people ask about it. So I talk about it on the podcast and I followed the same split for 16 weeks straight and got amazing progress. No variation whatsoever. Um, and they're like, well, why do you recommend changing accessory work every three weeks and then compounds like every six? But you're doing that. I'm like, because I literally was like, I don't care what I do. I'm, right. I'm going to focus on just this one goal. But do you have fun doing the same thing for 16 weeks? And they're like, no. And I'm like, all right, then we're not going to do that. It <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and I even told uh, my coach at, at the end of 16, I was like, dude, I, we got to change it up, man. I'm dying. Like I'm getting great <laughs> results, but I'm fucking bored, man. Cause I'm used to, like you said, like I, if I have any choice, it's always conjugate, man. And, and you can use it in so many ways. I recently um, changed one of my clients programming because he's ready to, he wants to build more muscle. He wants to train more. And I was like, cool, we're going to do five days a week. And it's the first time I ever did this, but I made like the style of conjugate method that we use into a upper lower push pull leg split, but I still used all the methods from there. And I was like, I'm just going to play with this and see like how it flows. And he loved it. He was like, this is the coolest program I've ever done. I feel great because I'm getting some of these pump days, but I also still have my power and like explosive work. Um, And that was really cool. So it, it can be tweaked so many different ways to just, again, have fun in your training and get results. I think one of the major issues with the interpretation of conjugate is that most of the information that you'll find on conjugate is often through Westside Barbell. Like that's usually where people start learning about it. And so they think they think Westside equals conjugate and conjugate equals Westside. That's what they think it means, which is why I think there's such a often a, a stigma around it and a misunderstanding. People don't get that conjugated conjugated periodization there's so much variability in it and so much room to change it based on your goals, what you enjoy, what you want to accomplish. Uh, I think it, a lot of people might hear what you said and say, well, hold on. Well, then, then you're not doing conjugate when really what you're saying, what they're saying is what as actually you're not training West side conjugate. That's the difference. And, and even then, I mean, if you listen to Louis or read his articles, like he trains bodybuilders, he trains fighters, he trains athletes in a very different way than he trains his power lifters, still using conjugated periodization, just not the the power lifting way that he recommends for his geared power lifters. Yeah. That's why I actually started saying modified conjugate usually when I talk about it because I would get people that would say that or like I would say concurrent and people are like, oh, sorry, like are you running like endurance and like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, like concurrent doesn't just mean I'm going to run 27 miles and li- right. deadlift. It's, it's just the combination of multiple goals, you know, focused in one and, and how you split That's that up it. is dependent on you. And, and you know, it's funny because everybody wants like black and white written in some answer. So DUP came out and everybody's like, oh, DUP, you have to bench squat deadlift three times a week at different. <laughs> it's like, no, you can curl twice a week with DUP. It's just undulating your your intensities throughout the week that's all it means so it's it's kind of like that um i love the saying uh 
methods are many principles are few methods mm -hmm. often change principles never do. So there's certain principles that are always in place and the methods of how we manipulate those is individual to the person and the goal. And, and if you follow something like that, I think it allows you to take all this information about DP conjugate, all the powerlifting, bodybuilding, all the things that you learn in the books and actually put it to work and application because you understand that. I love that. I I'm going to make a statement and I want you to honestly tell me if you agree or disagree. If I break down what I think the two most important components of a training program are, I'm just going to riff on this. All right. And, and maybe in a week I'll be like, that was stupid. I shouldn't have said that, but I'm just going to put this out there and we'll talk about it. I think if I were to talk right now, the two most important components of a, of a great strength training program, I would say number one has to be consistency right? Like if you're going to execute it, number one, it has to, you have to be consistent. If you're not consistent with it, it doesn't matter how good it is. That's number one. And inconsistent, we could put fun and sustainability and all that stuff, but you have to be consistent with it, right? That's, I think, number one. Number two, and this is where I want to get your opinion as well. I would say intensity. I think intensity, I would put it number two. What do you think about both of those? I, I agree. I would change intensity to effort only because I think if we look at like science intensity means load. So if I don't want people to hear that and go, Oh, so you just got to lift heavy. Yeah. Right. Um, yep, yep. but I agree. I think and I think good, good if, change. You look, if you look at the muscle and strength pyramids, which is a really good book and I love it. Um, he has like the pyramid structured out like volume, intensity, frequency, all these things, exercise selection, these categories and underneath it, it says, uh, adherence underneath and that's consistency. Right. Yeah. So, even the people at the top of the pyramid of science are saying like, none of this matters if you can't stay consistent. Um, and even, even with the muscle and strength pyramids, I, I, I will vary things around cause like tempo is way at the top. But if I have somebody who doesn't know how to bench press tempo is coming of more importance than volume because you can't handle the volume if you don't do the movement right. And if I don't That's create right. a tempo for you to control it, you won't be able to improve the skill. Um, so again, that's where like things kind of change around, but it depends. It always depends. Yeah, always. Uh, but, but in general, I, I mean, consistency is a no brainer and I, I do think effort because I think that, you know, there's a lot of bookworms nowadays who just don't train hard and hard doesn't necessarily mean you're doing one rep maxes all the time. It just means you're like deliberately working as hard as you can. And like when we use something like RPE or RIR for like reps in reserve, a lot of people don't even know how to gauge that. Like they, they really don't know how hard to push. They did this, uh, this is one time where I will refer to a study. They did a study on a bench press and it was like, Put your 10 rep max on the bench press and do as many reps as you can. You have a spotter. This is like we're testing people's perception of what they can lift. And the lowest rep count was 12 out of the group. The average was 16, and somebody got as high as 26, I think, 27, like on a 10 rep max. So like all these guys were basically like way underestimating, which just shows like when they're doing two RIR and they're leaving two in the tank, they're probably leaving like six in the tank, and they have no idea. But um, again, I think this – and it's hard to say because I, I don't, I don't want to give a an ant like a, a solution that is unrealistic to some people. But this is why I'm so thankful for the years training with guys, maybe not always doing the smartest things, but going really hard in the grimy gym that had graffiti on the walls. Like, we just had some grueling workouts that taught me so much about what real effort is. Like to the point where we would do prowler laps, and every time we'd get done with the lab, he's like, all right, just one more. <laughs> All right, just one more. And you're like, I, I pulled over and puked on the side of the road one time when I was an intern because he made us do so many. And it's just like, I'll never forget it because he was like, uh, he, he was like yelling out basketball players numbers. And he was like, All right, LeBron, we got to do 23. And we're at 22 rounds. He's like 23. We got to do LeBron. And then it was uh, 24 Kobe. And then we did another one. And he thought of another guy. And I was like, bro, I have to go home. It's like 11 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think, uh, I think the effort, man, I think it's so important. Uh, and a lot of people just don't give themselves enough credit of how hard they can work, man. We got to go off on this topic. We, we have to, like, I haven't hit this topic. I feel a response. We got to talk about this. This is huge. And, and especially, uh, a lot of people, I, I will, we'll say this. Just to clarify, because just no one's in like, I can't believe he said that. He's not recommending you work so hard you puke. That's not yeah. that's not what he's saying. <laughs> that was just an anecdote. Um, but I I work mainly, not ma mostly with women, right? The majority of people I work with are women. Um, a significant amount of men, but 
one thing I've consistently seen is a lot of women, they men too, but mostly women, they really underestimate how strong they are and how hard they can work. Um, it's very interesting to me, like to, to sort of test someone's RPE, their rate of perceived exertion. We could talk about that in a second when they first start working out versus once they've been working with you and they sort of have the skill. And, and I think identifying the difference between pain, like true pain and discomfort, right? I think this is really a really important part of understanding how intense you can go and, and how much effort you can put into it. Because a lot of people, they might feel their muscles burning and think, oh, something's wrong or, oh, this is pain. This isn't good. When there's a clear differentiation that has to be made between muscle discomfort and legitimate pain that could cause a problem. You know, do you agree? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's the first thing that came to mind too is funny because, and I've experienced that with so many women. And this is also why I actually put more emphasis on rest periods with women because they will just go, go, go. And then they don't lift as heavy because they're trying to keep their heart rate up and go. And it's like, no, I want you to purposely take three minutes between your sets so you can lift as a little bit heavier. But yesterday, uh, my wife came to work out and she was talking to her. I walked out of the office. She was talking to her brother uh, and she was doing our dumbbell RDLs, having a full blown conversation with him. And I literally am just staring at her, <laughs> not to throw her under the bus, but she, and then she like looks at me like, whoa, what? And I'm like, triple the weight you're holding. Like, what are you doing? You, you're having a full blown conversation doing RDLs. That's not okay. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. But, uh, but it just goes to show she doesn't know. She's like, well, I don't know how, cause she's not, she hasn't been somebody that's been a lifter for a long time. Right. Um, and you have to tell them that. And it's funny because I think you, you definitely have more of an issue with guys lifting too much weight. Correct. Um, yep. I mean, even for me, like you really don't know when to quit. Like probably like a couple months ago we did like, we tested some maxes, right? So I did one rep is the most I've ever benched. I was super pumped in 275. Nice. It, and I was like, man, that felt good. And my brother-in-law was like, dude, you could do more. And I'm like, I think I could. <laughs> we put two and a halfs on there, 280. Oh no. Dude crushed me on my chest. I didn't even, like I took a five minute break. I literally <laughs> couldn't even get off my chest. But so guys don't know when to quit. But I think, uh, I definitely think it's something that people need to learn. It's not like you have to go through real pain, but you have to understand how to associate the difference, right? Like um, for anybody listening, who's ever had a, uh, an actual injury, like I've torn my meniscus twice and my ACL once in the same knee, like that Jeez. pain is so much different than what I will feel muscularly. Like I have a lot of tattoos that pain hurts. It's that's, that's a pain, but discomfort is something that you should actually get used to. And, and I would even go as far as saying like sometimes doing, uh, low injury risk things that cause that discomfort without question is actually good for people. Like for example, the assault bike, a lot of people do like a 40 second interval and they're like, what? That's not even high intensity. I'm like, I know. I just want you to feel <laughs> your legs burning and just get used to it. It's not going to, you know, there's no eccentric base. It's not going to hurt your joints. You're not going to smash your recovery. We're just going to do a couple rounds. Like we're, I mean, we can argue and say we're working the glycolytic system and we're getting some energy <laughs> system stuff in there. But I think it's important because I think those prowler sessions, those assault bike things, the things that really don't mess me up for days, but they taught me what that discomfort is at the maximum level, allow me to do a squat and go, nope, that's just my quads are getting tired, but I still have a couple more in the tank. It's just fatigue and that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's such a, a good point. And you know, you said something that I think is important to go back to you, right? Yeah. This is why you pay attention to rest periods with women more. You make them rest. Right. And this is, this is actually why <laughs> there's a time when I think effort is the right word. And there are times when I think intensity is the right word. It's so easy to, to think of, well, I'm work my effort. I'm putting so much effort into it when like you're sweating and you're working so hard and you're taking a little rest periods. It's like, no, no, no. Now we have to go to the actual meaning of intensity for this specific case and be like, but you're not lifting heavy. Like you're not challenging yourself muscularly strength wise. I want you to do a set of eight so that by reps six, seven, and eight, you're like, oh my dear Lord. Like I want you to be on a, like if we're looking at a scale of one to 10, 10 being failure, I want you to be eight and a half, nine. Like yeah. I want to be like really hard to finish that last rep or two with good technique. Whereas if you're doing, keeping rest periods low, you're lifting lighter weight, you might be sweating. You might be going, that's chasing a feeling that's not actually chasing a result. It's chasing how you feel. It's chasing like a, a feeling of, of hard work. But when, 
it's a very transformative thing to watch when someone, especially women, I feel like, especially women, but with, when anyone, when they actually start to challenge their bodies and minds from a strength perspective, when they, they start lifting heavier weight, they see themselves, they see how strong they are, like not just physically, but mentally. And there's something to be said about pushing through a very difficult, heavy set. This is why I think deadlifts are one of the best, they're the best lift. It's like when you finish a heavy set of deadlifts, you, you walk out of the gym, like I'm, yeah. I'm a badass. You're like, I'm awesome. When you lift a heavy, heavy weight and you're like, I can't believe I just did that. I remember vividly the first time I deadlifted 300 pounds, I was like, I'm the fucking man. <laughs> like I vividly, and it was awful. It was terrible technique. My back was rounded like a scared cat. But I vividly, I'm be like, I am the fucking man. And then, and that was why I love deadlifting. And I think we have to, if, if there's one thing I think anyone gets from this conversation is if you're in the cycle of you're consistent, amazing, you're consistently working out, but you're not happy with your results, look at your effort and or intensity. Look at, are you really challenging yourself in that workout in each, not just in the workout, in the set? Let's talk about per set. And when we really even start to look at how intense or how high level, how high effort that set was, now you can start being like, listen, you don't need to use crazy volume if the set was high intensity. All of a sudden, when you're in a very high intensity set or high effort set goes, the need for five, six, seven, eight sets goes out the window. Yeah. You can get that feeling, that stimulus without feeling like you need to work out for three hours. Yeah. I, I have like three things came to mind when you said that. Um, one is just, I think the, what the gym teaches you in life, like, uh, pushing into resistance, right? Like there's, mm. there's, uh, I want to say, oh, what's the name of the book? It's, uh, I'll try here. The war of art, I think is the book I'm thinking of Stephen Pressfield. Have you read that? No, I haven't. So good. It's basically, it's an entire book. Every page is different. So it's like a little short write up on, nice. uh, it, but it's built for writers. So it's about writer's block, but it's pushing into resistance like over and over in all these different scenarios. But when you do a really, really challenging set, it makes other things in life like seem kind of easier because you're like, oh, that's actually not bad. You take a cold ice bath or shower. Other things are really easy because that's terrible. You know, and it, like, I, I hate that. It's like one of my the worst feelings in the world. I hate I, it. I hate that. <laughs> we used to go to uh, this place. It was a banya, like a Russian bathhouse. And you yeah, do yeah, yeah. Things. And the gym guys would all go. I went once and I was like, I'm never coming back. <laughs> Or I'll sit in the hot tub. I hate ice baths so much. The but, I would take yeah. extreme heat over extreme cold any day. Yeah, me too. And I think that's – but the point is is like that resistance, it does – like now I know like this isn't that bad. I would much rather do this in an ice bath. Like it's easy, right? Yep. Um, I think uh, another thing is too is this is where creative – uh, creativity and programming comes into play. So I even know like when, when COVID happened, all these people were working out at home. There was a lot of people that I was, I was writing like, uh, three sets at RIR two. I'm like, well, how many sets? Is that? I was like, I don't know. You have like one pair of 30 pound dumbbells for God knows why. So do as many reps as you can until you have two in the tank, you know? And it's like, okay. And then they do more than they expected. Cause if I would have programmed three times eight and they could have done 16 with it, it's like, we're not getting that level of effort that we need. Right. Um, or even I'll even program uh, like dumbbell bench press three times uh, max with eight RM. I'm like, well, don't you want me to do eight if it's my eight rep max? I'm like, no, no, do as many as you can with your eight rep max. And yeah. I'm like, holy shit, dude, that's actually like my 12 rep max. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. But if you don't have experience doing those things, you never know to write that on a piece of paper. You know what I mean? Um, yep. But I think it's I think it's the, like to me like I can't remember what the third thing was but uh, the the two main things that came up were were programming creativity and then just like understanding that the gym applies to everything in life like that resistance that you break through when you do a heavy lift a heavy deadlift or anything and and I'm the same way like I'll get the question about like well if your goal is hypertrophy do you really need deadlifts they're not that great of a I'm like no but I just love them like I love going to the gym on Saturday and deadlifting like I don't care I do three reps it has nothing to do with building muscle I just want to lift that bar. It's cool. Yeah. Man, that's that's one of my favorite things. Like I love talking to you. Like we're very much on the same page. Surprise, surprise. You like talking to someone who agrees with me on everything. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's like, of course. But um we're I think what we're most in agreement on is is the necessity of of enjoyment of whatever it is you're gonna do. It's like is it, and this is where I think a lot of the 
the really, really sciencey people get, they miss the boat where it's like, well, wh why, why is it in there? It's not going to help you. Like if we look at the research and it's like, hold on, before we look at the research, let's look at what you like. Do you like deadlifting? Yep. Then do you need it? No, but I'm going to put it in there because I know you're going to be excited when you see deadlifts on that program. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and I, I really like the idea of, of moving through resistance deliberately. It's a topic that I did a whole separate podcast on it. And I would actually love to talk to you about it either uh, today or on another podcast is this idea of, of willful suffering of, of if, if anyone hasn't listened to that podcast already, I'm going to put that link in the show notes as well. But um, there's something about willfully suffering, willfully doing things, not suffering in a way that's like, not like prisoner of war suffering, but like putting yourself in situations that are very, very uncomfortable, specifically with the intent to get you comfortable in that situation so that other things, it's perspective, so that other things seem easier, right? So the even hard tasks now seem easier because you've put yourself through something more difficult. And, and that's where like, even I hate, I absolutely hate ice baths. They're, they're one of my, the least favorite things in my life. Um, my buddy, Mike and I, the gym has been closed for months now, but what we used to do is the, the gym that we go to has a hot tub right next to a cold bath, like a, an ice, an ice pool or a cold pool. And it is freezing. It is the coldest water I've ever been in. And what we used to do is we'd go in the hot tub for a minute and then go in the cold, cold pool for 20 seconds, minute, cold pool, minute, like hot tub, cold pool, hot tub, cold pool, minute, 20 seconds, minute, 20 seconds. And we try and do more and more and more and more. I hated every minute of it. It was like the worst feeling of my life. But every time I did it, I was just happy because I knew that if I could push myself to do that, then I can push myself to do other stuff. It's just, it's that belief in your ability to do something, even and especially when it's hard, that can drive you in all aspects of your life. Yeah, I hundred. It's it's actually a topic I really like reading on too. Mm. That book I already said, Obstacles the Way, is another one that's really good on it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I even like I remember training and getting through a leg day, and then be like, all right, we're gonna do six rounds of prowler, and it's like, why? And it's like just to see if you can, like just to push through. It's like, just, you know, grab some Gatorade if you need it, just do it. And I think doing things like that really does help. It's the same thing with like, uh, I wake up pretty early. And at first it was like, I just woke up at 5 a.m. because my first thought was I can't do that. And then as soon as I told myself I couldn't do it, I was like, no, fuck that, I'm gonna wake up at five. And then I was super productive in the morning and I was like, man, I would have never known that if I didn't just step through that discomfort. Um, I was part of a coaching program. It was like, a, uh, I've talked to you about stuff like this before, like men's yep. entrepreneurial stuff. And, uh, we would fly out to California where, where they live like once a quarter. And we do these like kind of like a mastermind, but it was so cool because it was like everything in life. Like, and it was a small group of guys. So it's not like the typical mastermind now, but, um, there was one time where they, they basically wouldn't tell you what you're doing. So one time we got in this big black van and just drove and we ended up in Hollywood at an improv place. And I was like terrified to get on stage. <laughs> Really? I, I did not want to do it. And, uh, and it was, but <laughs> by the time I made a fool of myself on stage in front of all these people, it was a blast. And like that allowed me, and this is years ago, that allowed me to do so much better speaking in front of crowds when I do seminars or when I'm shooting videos or doing like Instagram lives. It was like nothing. Cause I was like, at least I'm not trying to tell jokes in front of a crowd because yeah. I was like painfully unfunny and this is easy. I can talk about training all day. Uh, and we did, uh, we did a paintball one, one day where we woke, like we literally, they put bags overhead and we like had to wear these like military oh, suits. So we were, God. I was terrified. I was like, what are we getting into? And it was actually really cool. We ended up in this like, like boot camp style paintball facility and we had to like do these missions and recon and, um, I mean, you got awesome. fucked up with paintballs, but again, like that thing you just did, same thing. Like we yep. we're all trying to do stuff that I think is just constantly pushing the boundary and you can do it in so many different areas. Like improv didn't hurt me, you know, but it, it allowed me to push through that threshold, like a really big hike. Same thing. It's, it's, it's doing stuff that's uncomfortable, boxing, Muay Thai, whatever you want to do. I love that. And you can apply that to, I mean, my, my mind immediately goes to the, someone who they're scared to go to the gym for the first time. It's like, mm -hmm. do hard things, get to the gym. And if, if literally just walking in and signing up for the membership is your hard thing, great, just do it. If going to the gym and you just, you don't want to lift heavy weights yet, but you want to get to the gym cause you know, it's the right thing to do. And maybe just do some cardio. Cool. Do some cardio. Just be, do hard things progressively. 
Yeah, that you know, I remember you saying that reminded me of the third thing I wanted to say earlier. There we go. And it was that like sometimes I'll come in like uh for example like today's a squat day, and I'll go into it and I'm literally like you know what, I will be fine if I just squat. Like if I just squat today, like, and yep. then I'll go heavy. I'll push myself. I always end up finishing the whole session, but I'm like, I don't care about the glute ham raises or the RDLs or the lunges or anything I have to do after this. I'm just going to squat. And and whenever I do that, I squat harder. I squat heavier. I feel better. And then I'm way more amped up for the rest of the session, but it's yeah. going into it. Just thinking like, as long as I just do this, I, I, I will feel accomplished, you know? And I, I tell people that all the time. They're like, I'm like, if you don't feel like doing it, just, just plan on doing your uh, mobility routine. Because yes. we got to get you moving. So go to the gym, just do your mobility, and then get out. They never leave after doing mobility. Like very rarely does that ever happen. But it's yep. it's it's having that mindset going into it usually helps quite a bit. That's been one of the – I think it must have been Dan John or someone who wrote about that years ago. Yeah. That was probably the best piece of advice I ever – one of the best pieces of advice that I've been able to give to my clients over the years. I'm like, listen. And they're like, well, I just don't want to go to the gym. I'm like, listen, just do your warm-up. If after your warm-up you want to leave, leave. No one has ever left after their warm up. No, and I'm sure someone out there has, but none of my clients have ever gone to the gym, done the warm up, and said, "All right, I'm out." Yeah, just, either. No, it's like because the hardest part is just getting there, and that that's with everything, which is why the you know the whole just show up, just show up. If you show up and leave, at least you showed up. But it's just showing up. You know what's funny? Like I had, uh, I've had people like ask me like. Uh, success tips isn't the right word, but like, what do you, like, what do you think is like helped you like, like be successful or like start this business or like get out there. And I'm like, I literally just take action. Like, I don't think about it too much. As soon as I start thinking, I just go like, as soon as I start doubting what I'm writing in an Instagram post, cause people are going to judge me. I just post and close the app. Like anything. I, it's just, I'm really, really good at taking action because someone told me one time, like if you just deliberately take action over time, there's no way you won't win eventually. That's right. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to fucking keep pulling the trigger. And it helps so much in life in all areas. Like if you have a gut feeling, just go, just do it. And don't worry about anybody else. I think I love the quote, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. I think it's like the most important thing I was talking about body image on Instagram yesterday. And it's like, you just need to stop worrying about other people and looking at other people and seeing Instagram models or the Kardashians and, and like comparing yourself to, and I, and I said this analogy, it was really funny. And, and I hope like people didn't get offended that love reality TV, but I was like, it's so stupid. They're, they're, real fake people on a <laughs> staged reality show <laughs> it's such an oxymoron but i was like but that's what you're looking at and expecting to look like it's just so i think i think i i just comparison drives me crazy and i and i'm guilty of it too i did it for a long we time we all yeah, are it's natural but i think that's one of the things that really can help you just take action just focus on you stay in your own lane and, and usually when you do that you realize like nobody ever judges you nobody ever talks shit to you nobody ever hates on you obviously the bigger you get inside of anything you get hate comments and trolls and shit like that it's, it's guaranteed to happen but the people you care about never ever like look mm -hmm. at you sideways they never do they support you and you're always like man now i feel stupid because yep. i was so worried about you thinking whatever like and you're just projecting your own stories on people that's 100% kind of a side rant but no, dude, I love that. I think it's a it's a it's a good place to end on. I, I love that. I think it's super helpful. I think it's gonna help a lot of people. And do me a favor, could you tell people where they can find you if they want to find more information about you, your programs or anything? Yeah, so everything is on tailoredcoachingmethod.com. We have a ton of free stuff from videos, blogs, uh, free ebooks, uh, podcasts, like we just uh, like my goal is to put out as, as much free content as I can across everything, to be honest with you. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm Cody boom, boom. And I post there pretty much every day. Amazing. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. This was a, a pleasure and a blessing and, uh, we got to do it again soon. And once all this clears up, do that seminar that we were talking about. Yeah, I, I'm dude, I'm still thinking about it and absolutely, man, I'm happy to come on. It's always a blast talking with you. Awesome, man. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Cody, thank you so much for coming on. Again, everyone can follow him at cody.boomboom on Instagram. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon.